Welcome to Mission Forward, a podcast for inclusive and thoughtful communicators who wish to advance social justice through the power of their communications. The words we use, the actions we take, and the way we design our daily lives. I'm Carrie Fox, your host and CEO of Mission Partners, a social impact communications firm and certified B Corporation. Before we officially wrap up season four, we have got a quick recap episode today. We go back in time providing top line lessons from each of the 10 guests who are with us this season. I'm excited to be back at this with Nimra Haroon today, my partner in this podcast, and we're gonna reflect on what we learned and where we go from here. Before we get to it, we also have some exciting news that Mission Forward has a new home over at missionforward.us. This podcast, thanks to you, is growing, and we hope you will check out the new site and opportunities to engage more deeply in our content and our conversations. Now let's get to the show. Hi, folks, and welcome to this final closing wrap-up episode of Season 4 of the Mission Forward podcast. I am back with Nimra Haroon. Just as we started this episode, we're going to do a closeout and talk about what we learned. And oh my gosh, what a season it was. I feel so blessed to have had so many incredible conversations with such inspiring and inspired people who are living life through their values, who are challenging capitalism and business and the ways of work to be able to build us toward a more just and equitable future. And they are, they are doing it and they, they shared so much with us this season. Nimra, welcome back. I want to get your top line take. What did you think of the season? It was a special one. And um, it's really special that such a core group of communicators who navigate all these different spaces in the world actually have a very, very uh, common um, outlook that we share and the role that communications plays in the responsibility that we bear in the jobs that we fulfill on an everyday basis. So it was pretty humbling to be in conversation with with these people. And I think Carrie, it says so much about the work that they're doing that we had them on and vice versa and the work that you're doing. You know, we we say something a lot in our work that um, if we if we stop to look, we'll find that we all have more uh, in common than we have uh, apart, right? That we have that's different between one another. And we at Mission Partners have gone so much deeper in our work over the last two years, but certainly even this year on how we think about the role of communications and the role of our team as communicators in trying to bridge the gaps that we see and trying to break the toxic narratives that we see, how much power is in fact in communications as a tool, right? Um, and so if we go back to the top of the season, we started with this awesome conversation with Ashton Lattimore, editor-in-chief of PRISM, who has built a newsroom really unlike any other and is challenging a lot of the norms in terms of how news is shared. Um, what was something that stuck with you from this one? So many points that Ashton pointed out, but a couple that really resonated with me is remembering that, you know, any narrative that's told, any story that's told has a protagonist. And so often media has positioned the person who's in power as the protagonist and who we decide from a journalistic standpoint is the center of the story and is significant enough to report on. 
will shape our consumption of it and then the narrative that's told. And so to, to remember that, you know, power is not necessarily going to be the protagonist because we have to quit, continue to question our systems, our structures, and our institutions that are in power to, re- to keep them accountable. That stuck with me too. The other piece that stuck with me about the conversation with Ashton was she talked about how it's well and good if you have a journalist writing a story, bringing a certain perspective. But if you still have an editor over their head that's going to remove that context, then it's it's no different. You might as well as have a homogenous makeup of that newsroom. And so that's an important point, not just in the media we consume, but in the organizations we're part of as well. That was such a poignant point that Ashton made. And it it goes back to something that we said at the top of the season, the person who holds the power holds the pen. Yeah. And, um, you know, not only are you holding that power, but you are continuing to influence the spaces around you, the narratives that are continuously perpetuated. And then what we as consumers and readers and followers on of these media institutions are we questioning the makeup of, of those newsrooms? Are we questioning the makeup of who's telling us that news? And um, so you can have that well-staffed, diverse um, newsroom, but then once again, the systems that are, and the people who are in power have that pen. Good reminder to check who's behind your news, right? Who's in the newsroom? Who's crafting those stories? Check it if you haven't recently. Do, a, do an audit of your own news consumption. Episode three, we'll move to the awesome Tim Hikes, the amazing, energetic Tim Hikes who brought so much to this conversation and revealed stories with us that he said, you know, he really hasn't shared with many, talking about the role that his grandmother played in his life and his ability really to move into a design field Uh, so much. will stick with me from this one. What sticks with you, Nimra? Really what stuck with me is when he mentioned how much of our world actually is not designed for And he, in his day job, is a UX designer where he studies that intersection between humans and technology. And when you think about, he he touched on this example of machine learning and the bias that's baked into our tech infrastructure. So when we Google some things as simple as a term like a Black man and the screenshots, the images, the stock photos that may come up are going to be significantly different and entirely baked into narratives that we as culture and media and society have perpetuated about that demographic. And and the onus is on these tech companies and the onus is on these people who are the technologists and the designers to unbake that. Um, It's so, so resonated with me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's an interesting parallel to the conversation we had with Eleni later in the season, whereas Tim talked about how so much of our world is not designed for, Eleni raised this concept that design creates culture. So if we stop to think about that for a minute, that so much of our world is not designed, but it is that piece that actually creates our culture, right? So that there's a really maybe a negative breakdown that's happening that ultimately is still resulting in the culture we have. And so how important intentional and inclusive design is um, and and how that leads to a more intentional inclusive culture too. Absolutely. And it touches on that piece of accessibility. So then we wonder why in this day of 2021, our world, so much of our world is not accessible. And yet we have all the information about it. 
um, the largest minority, living minority in the world are people who live with disabilities. And yet our world is actually not designed to be accessible for them in a, on, a, on a technological front, on a physical infrastructural front. And, and Tim and Eleni both spoke to that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And how awesome it was to have Eleni on the show and to hear, having worked with her for five years and to still hear and learn new things about her and how powerful her teacher was in her, in coaching her and giving her that, not just the confidence in herself, but the opportunity to see what she could be as a designer and how grateful I will forever be to Bob for instilling that in her. Najma Roberts, she was on the show uh, coming to us from Democracy Fund, where she's the Senior Director of Communications and Equity. We talked a lot about power, the role that communicators have in holding their leadership teams accountable, the way that we can ensure that we are not just helping to translate what our executives are saying, but put it out into the world in a way that we can also be accountable for. Nashman touched on something that I think so many comms professionals will identify with. And that's, um, she said that we've been order takers in the past and that there's this menu of options, which um, agencies like our own actually offer um, organizations with regards to a plethora of things that they can do. And so communications has often been seen as sort of this backstage um, act or an afterthought. So there's strategic planning, there's um, the C-suite coordination, and then, oh, comms. That's that thing that those people do over there. And what we have witnessed in the last few years is how vital communications is to every organization and that whether you're trying to salvage your reputation or amplify it, it has to be at the center of all conversations. And that's with your leadership teams, that's in those boardrooms, that's with every stakeholder and how it's an integrated component in every org. And the sooner and the more um, hopefully these organizations live that out, the more successful that they will be in, in delivering upon those strategies. That's for sure. And this idea that, you know, if we think about the opportunity that exists when communications is embedded in the center of a conversation, not at the outside, I mean, at the, at the very basic level, right? The thing that works when organizations work, when societies work, it's when there's communication happening, when there's an understanding and an empathy that goes two ways. Um, and often, often, you know, even more than that, but the, the layers she talked about what communications can do, not just to promote and amplify an idea, but what it can do to peel back the layer to create opportunities for justice. And I, I really loved the way she talks about that. And holding the accountability that those values actually live out. So not, not that it's just talk um, or lip service, but are these ideas that can stand on their own? And will they stand on the integrity of the values that they claim that they stand upon. I have been in those rooms when um, earlier in my career, for sure, but when an executive would say, go push this out to the world. And I'd say, but I'm going to have to hold that then, right? Like that is a big statement you're about to make. Are you sure we can back that up? And that's what we heard Najma say too, right? It's the communicators ultimately that have the ability to push back and say, we're not going to be able to deliver on that. Let's work on that because that's a big idea and we can work towards that. But let's let's be accountable to our words and our actions too. Okay, 
Greg Gall, um, the uh, author of Think Wrong, the co-founder of Solve Next. What a cool guy and great conversation this was. What sticks with you from this one? You know, I want to start with something that Greg framed at the very top of the episode, and that is, he said that culture is self-preserving. So it's great if you have a healthy culture, but if you're trying to create, improve, change, or strengthen a culture, it's natural to have some resistance. And really, really speaking to how are we going to live within that resistance and that discomfort? because it's actually a means to getting us to a better framing of society, a better society, a better world. And gosh, that stuck with me. I just love the concept I always have um, is this idea of think wrong and how much of what we do inside any day, inside any industry, inside any job is we do it because it's the way it's been done. And when we stop to really challenge and ask ourselves why, but why, but why, but why, right? We start to understand that a lot of what we do isn't in fact the way that makes the best sense for the ultimate vision at the end. And it's almost, I I found the conversation with him freeing, right? To think about that you can set aside the status quo. You can set aside the expectations to be able to see truly the possibilities that exist when you design fully uh, for those around you, not just for the, uh, the audience that's right in front of you. And that it's a muscle that needs to be trained because we've been so conditioned biologically, socially, culturally to have this certain vision. Um, And, you know, Greg really spoke to thinking outside of that and having to really exercise it. It is a muscle that needs to be exercised. And um, something else that Greg said that really, really resonated with me was that when we think about Um, planning, people get excited about solutions and we don't focus on the problem. And really when the meat of that solution lies within the problem itself. And so if we were to focus on that problem, we'd come to a solution and probably a far more embedded one more quickly. And, And Greg said that that means sitting with people, sitting with their pain and the ability to be empathetic, um, and, coexist where the pain is, the problems are, that's where the problem solving will happen. Man, the world needs to hear that message. And what was so cool about that is we went from this, um, this episode called communicating the impossible with Greg. And then we shifted and we talked about communicating the possible. Uh, and that was with Grady Powell at Open Fields. Um, also the founder of Capita, which is this amazing think tank working to build a better future for children and families and challenging again, the way things are done and the way things can be. Um, what stuck with you from this one? Yeah. Just talking about going from impossible to possible. Um, Grady spoke to that, the danger of that blue sky vision. And so we think, you know, we have a blue sky vision. We're dreaming and actually how dangerous it can be, how paralyzing it can because it starts to give this connotation that people have to have a single vision and that there's a limit and there's a very, um, there's some parameters to that vision and it has to be executed a certain way. But really what um, Grady encouraged us to do and continues to encourage people to do is create multiple possible futures, multiple visions for what's possible. And then that 
harnesses all the creative energy within you to think that you can do so much more than what you thought. I thought that was just brilliant. Yeah, me too. One of the things I love about grading, there's a lot of things that I, I love about the way he does his work, but that there's something really important to remember about <clears throat> getting the groundwork right first, right? So if you've got clear values, you've got a clear understanding for why you exist, then those pathways start to become more clear, right? You know where you're going because you know where you started and what you stand for and what you don't. Um, and that's something I think often, you know, it's easy for organizations to forget or lose sight of why they started and what they believe in. And so, I, again, I think this idea of really understanding what's possible first starts from a grounding and understanding of what you believe in. And sometimes that's about challenging what you believe in too, right? I mean, it's challenging about where those beliefs came from ultimately to get to a set of shared values that can move an organization forward. And he spoke to that root cause analysis, right? So you have to understand the culture norms that first shape the problem and spoke to this element of truth that lives in, in, in people's perspectives. And so if we can understand why we think the things that we do, what shaped it, then you can move forward in a more honest capacity from there. All right. So moving on, we went deep kindness next. We went and um, had an awesome conversation with, with Houston Craft, conversation with Houston Craft, um, the founder of Character Strong and the author of Deep Kindness. I met Houston by chance and I'm so glad that I did. I've been following his work and think he's um, just really such a great gift to the schools and the communities he's been working with. But his message is so simple. And yet maybe that's why it's so powerful. Yeah. Well, I was excited about this episode because you and um, Houston's paths cross between your books and your work on kindness and building kindness activists. So this was a really fun one. There is a lot that Houston said that resonated with me, but I'm going to name two things. And um, so the first is Houston spoke to this student who came up to him and cited the difference between being nice and being kind. And that student cited niceness was a reaction, sort of a transaction. And kindness is a proactive act. It means that you choose it even when it's difficult. You choose it even when it's difficult to get along with someone. Kindness requires that work. And Houston went on to say that our world has oversimplified kindness. And people say, oh, you should be a kind person. You should be a kind person. But Houston said that it's lost its rigor, the sacrifice, the discomfort, and the work that is required to practice kindness. And goodness, that, that struck me. Yeah, me too. I think that is one of the stickiest lines of the season. I have repeated that so many times to myself, but also to so many people, the importance of understanding the difference between nice and kind. And um, Houston and I have in common how we talk about kindness as a muscle that you have to build, you have to maintain it, you have to grow it. Just like we think about maintaining our, our physical bodies and our mental health, kindness is a muscle too. And um, there is so much, so much practical information and inspiration, inspiring information in that conversation. I hope folks go back and listen to that one a few times. All right. We talked about Eleni already a little bit. We came into episode eight. We had this awesome conversation with our colleague, Eleni, graphic designer at Mission Partners. Um, we talked about how she has really focused in on accessibility and has brought this 
lens, um, this clarity to how we think about the role of design and everything that we create on behalf of our clients and in our community. Um, so much that she shared in that episode that again, are just gems to go back and remember over time. It's such a pleasure working with Elaine. And I will say that she mentioned um, a disparity that I think was so poignant to call out. And she mentioned the, the disparity between representation and design and the labor force and Black African-Americans and Latinx makeup in design is so low and yet it's so, so high in labor. And it's, it's, she mentioned how it's ironic because design is used as a tool in advancing racial justice, racial equity, social justice. And so why does that continue to exist? And so it's, it's pretty fascinating that her, um, her master's thesis is touching on this topic of um, the role of design educators and shrinking that gap between those who are in design school, but then the ones who actually end up in that industry. And why is that gap so wide? Yeah, it's true. Um, And that's right. That's what her research is focused on. We were glad to be able to learn more and share more about that too. Um, Okay, we are coming into the episode that was the most special for me. You talked about some of the ones that have been most special. I loved the conversation we had with Ray Olsby uh, at Up Together, formerly Family Independence Initiative. I have loved Ray from the moment I met her and the way her mind works and the way she is applying her values and her process of communications and questioning and um, intentional inquiry and interrogation, right? That she really challenges the role that communications can play. And so much we talked about, we talked about episodes and, or we talked about themes we've, we've mentioned in other episodes, themes like deficit framing versus asset framing, the power of strength, strength-based messages versus savior-like messages. She made it so practical, but she was so, you could feel her, right? You could feel her emotion so deeply through the words of this that, just that in itself, I think, was a measure of how strong of a communicator she is. And she spoke to that, the, the power dynamics that exist with the nonprofits themselves and that these organizations, as air quotations, the, the good work that they do, how it can be rather problematic even and, um, and, and just the framing of how we position ourselves with regards to the communities that these organizations will be working with or alongside or for. And so how you consider and define and name yourself will reinforce a power dynamic. And so um, Ray spoke to Up Together and how they think about themselves within the population that they're serving. And they're not any, any different or any outsider who's working with them, they're right there alongside with them. And and Ray spoke to how she is a part of the community that she works with. And so you're not otherizing yourself. You're not making yourself seem better than or other than or like a savior, but um, integrated with. And and how that completely changes the frame for a client, for um, a client provider. It's it's pretty, pretty um, imperative that we continue to keep that in mind as we, as we move forward. Well said, well said. Well, um, enormous thanks to Ray for joining us for that special conversation. And then we ended with one that, wow, like so, so glad to have that time with Dan Butner. 
to be able to talk about his new book and communicating for life, going deeper inside the blue zones that he first introduced to us many, many years ago. I'm going to pause on this one for a minute because I know you've got some good stuff to share, but I, I am so grateful to Dan for coming and introducing some concepts that I think are so core to the way we can think about living our life and entering every day intentionally and with purpose. What I really appreciated about this episode is how Dan made the integration of fitness, of life, of health, of nutrition as just an integrated part of all of these things that we live on a daily basis. They're not somehow isolated. It's not this, um, you know, the blue zone challenge. What we're speaking about right now is not a fitness plan or a diet that exists in some vacuum over there. It is our means to our fullest potential. Um, and that, that carries over to how we show up in every space, um, with our friends, with our community at work. And I'm so, so grateful for Dan for joining us. And I'm actually excited to embark on the blue zone challenge with you and, and with our team, um, in the new year. And it's, it really, really struck a chord of me when he was speaking to even the role of marketing in, in communities and how when we think about the billboards and the advertisements and all these different um, elements of noise that exist in our world, what are the messages that we're telling people about themselves, about their bodies, about their worth? And, and we have a responsibility to to report to reverse that course of action when it's actually harmful. And I'm really appreciative of the work and the research that Dan and, and his team is doing and, and showing that there's actually a different path that we can take to integrate wellness and betterment of our lives in, in a more holistic way. And that is like the perfect summation of the whole season too, Nimra, that if I think back to every single episode we have, that that thought can be applied to everyone. There's always a different path, right? And if we're thinking about moving toward the more equitable path, moving toward the more just path, moving toward the more inclusive path, it's not going to be the way that it's done now. There's always a flip to the story. There's always another side to the story. There's always another way to look at the problem or the situation. And it's that look, look again mentality that I love so much that I think communications always has the power to help us do, right? Communications is not just what we say or the actions we take. It's also how deeply we're listening and learning and being deeply in community with one another to build that empathy and that compassion. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's what all of this is about, right? We are humans first. It is the thing we all have in common. And how, how much I loved going on this journey with these 10 people you included to start and end this season. And I hope folks, as they're wrapping up this, this wrap up little episode that they go back and listen to some of the episodes, maybe they haven't heard yet or re-listen to some of the ones that they enjoyed because there's so much to take away and hold on to from this episode and season of Mission Forward. I'm appreciative of you, Carrie. I'm so excited to go back and listen to these episodes. Um, admittedly, that's what is on my holiday playlist queue. And <laughs> um, I'm appreciative to our, our guests for joining us for the season. What a season. Agreed. Well, as we close out, folks, we are getting ready to gear up again for season five. 
We also have some really big news to share in that the Mission Forward website is going to be launching any day. And in fact, by the time you listen to this, it will be live at missionforward.us. I hope you go check it out. You can see all of the episodes and seasons we've had to date. You can join the community. You can be part of the future of the Mission Forward podcast. I'm so, so proud of what we are building, Nimra, um, here at Mission Partners in partnership with True Story. I'm excited for what the year ahead has for us to continue on this amazing learning journey together. So thanks as always for your time. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the other side.